Welcome to another episode of Pause to Consider, Sometimes Talons and Beaks, brought to you by your host, Alyssa Lakota. I am an RVT, Registered Veterinary Technician, or as some of us prefer to be called, a nurse to wildlife and domestic species. So today's episode is a great challenge, not only in addressing the subject matter to be discussed in this podcast, but in handling the actual situation across the globe. What the heck am I talking about? Avian flu. You've likely heard about it over the years, perhaps more so these past several months with recent outbreaks in the US, Europe, Africa, China, and elsewhere in the world. I'm going to attempt to answer a few questions and simplify the subject matter as best I can, but if you want the real scientific nitty-gritty or if you simply want more information, I will share some credible links at the end of this podcast. Some of the questions to be covered in this episode, what is avian flu? Who is at risk of catching avian flu? How does it spread? What are the symptoms? What can be done to minimize the spread? And bum, 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 do bird feeders pose a threat? So what is avian flu? It goes by HPAI or A. H5N1, and all sorts of other confusing combinations of letters and numbers. The letters H and N, as in H5N1, stand for the types of proteins found on the surface of the virus. The number stands for the combination of virus known, and there are several combinations. So what it boils down to are low pathogenic strains and highly pathogenic strains. And there have been several strains reported over the years from 2004 to present. This current strain, HPAI or H5N1, as I will continue to refer to it going forward, is a highly pathogenic strain and it's wreaking havoc across the globe. It first presented itself here in the U.S. as of January this year, 2022, and it is zoonotic, meaning it can spread to humans. However, we are not the ones at greatest risk. Who is at great risk of catching avian flu, specifically H5N1? Waterfowl, such as shorebirds, gulls, ducks, and geese, they are considered to be the natural reservoirs, carriers of all avian flu, including subtypes and the highly pathogenic H5N1. They may actually be asymptomatic, having no symptoms at all, while actively shedding and spreading the virus to birds in the wild, backyard flocks and commercial flocks of chickens and turkeys, to some mammals, and sometimes to humans. Factor in migratory paths, and that adds to the challenges of being able to contain and control this virus. In fact, it may prove to become a seasonal virus to contend with, and right now, there is no control. It has been sweeping across the country, as well as the world. So far in the U.S., 40.14 million birds in the commercial production of chickens and turkeys and backyard flocks have tested positive. The virus in these flocks is nearly 100% fatal. Raptors such as crows, ravens, eagles, and owls are highly susceptible and at grave risk of death from this virus as well. In fact, there have been numerous losses of these beautiful wild birds, and the numbers reported are likely lower than actuality due to delay in reporting or from never having been found in the first place. This virus also affects wild animals in captivity at zoos, sanctuaries, rehab centers where they handle sick, injured, and orphaned wildlife. 
those animals are also at high risk. And if there were a human to be at risk, those employees would be on the front lines of contracting the virus. However, they typically take lots of steps to avoid getting it. So how does avian flu spread? And what are some of the symptoms? Wild birds consuming fowl that is infected with the virus is one way. However, the main spread of H5N1 is by coming in direct contact with respiratory droplets, feces, and fomites such as the bottom of one's shoes, countertops, and anything you can touch where droplets or droppings may be present. Now, as I stated earlier, waterfowl are oftentimes asymptomatic. Raptors, on the other hand, typically do not present any symptoms until shortly before death. Signs of H5N1 in raptors include difficulty breathing, head tilt, ataxia, meaning that they stumble around like they're drunk, tremors, paralysis in their wings and feet, twisted necks, depression, diarrhea, emaciation, open sores, discharge from their eyes, nose, ears, and vents, swelling of their head and body, and more. Free-range animals, meaning our wild species, can spread the virus throughout their natural habitats, as well as amongst your flock if the area is not fully enclosed and protected. And if an animal is introduced to your flock while shedding the virus, your entire population could be wiped out. Not cleaning cages and enclosures properly could influence the spread. We, humans, can track the virus on the bottom of our shoes if we don't clean them properly. So what can be done to minimize the spread besides making sure we clean our enclosures properly and cleaning our shoes properly? Well, in zoos, sanctuaries, or rehab populations where a bird is suspected of being a carrier, humane euthanasia is one solution. I know it's a terrible thought to think about, but it eliminates any suffering while also reducing the chance of the virus taking over entire collections of animals that are both on display or being rehabilitated for release. Thereby, it decreases the possibility of introducing the virus back into wildlife populations. It is a vicious, vicious cycle. Wearing proper PPE, personal protection equipment, such as gowns, gloves, masks, and overshoes while working with flocks or wildlife can reduce the spread. Creating foot baths and ensuring you change them daily and use them properly, otherwise you're totally defeating the purpose. Washing our hands. I know you've heard this plenty over the past couple of years, but it seems to work. But again, avian flu may become a seasonal hazard amongst our bird populations. And the big picture, there's so much not known about this virus that it remains uncertain how all bird populations will be impacted. Okay, so the big reveal. I know you're all dying to know. Do bird feeders pose a threat? In general, bird feeders can spread disease, but there is no evidence to suggest that they are a specific threat in the spread of H5N1. That said, it has been suggested that we eliminate places where birds can gather, reducing the spread between them. So in other words, take down those bird feeders, drain your bird baths, pools, and ponds, especially since there has been little to no research done amongst songbird populations. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned them. If, however, you feel you must use a bird feeder, you simply cannot live without that simple pleasure in life. You should get in the practice of cleaning it daily, as well as removing any seed from the ground that it's potentially covered in feces or respiratory secretions. This is going to protect not only wildlife, 
but you. Remember, wear your PPE while doing so, so you don't inhale droplets or dust. Because again, while humans are not at great risk of catching avian flu, it is still possible. And being sick, which in this case will present as flu-like symptoms, sucks. Who wants to be sick? I don't, you don't. I mean, maybe you do. Maybe you want to stay home and watch movies all day and lay in bed. I know I'm rambling, but being sick sucks. So imagine if we were one of these bird species at grave risk of dying from avian flu. These are the things that we can do to help minimize the spread. And that's all for today. Thank you for listening to another episode of Pause to Consider, Sometimes Talons and Beaks. And if you'd like to learn more about H5N1, please be sure to click the links provided so you can visit the Raptor Center of Minnesota, USDA, FAO, and WHO. Tune in, tune out, just don't pass out.